stumbled across the honest pod with Carrie Garcia and Shara House where our hope is to create a safe space to share stories that foster healing hope and the honesty needed to live free and fully alive and now for this week's episode of the honest pod Hey, friends. Welcome back. We're back. It's episode 934. <laughs> We're just going to, we think that's so funny. I know, every time <laughs> it gets us. We are excited to dive into our little mini series about making decisions, making big decisions, which we thought this was pretty good because honestly, it's been big decision after big decision for so many people in mm -hmm. the world. Um, and then me personally, you know, with the big decision of Illinois. Illinois, I will say, the interesting thing that we've covered the big decisions, I want to know about the little decisions. You know what I mean? Like, do we need guidance in that? Or do we just, can we eat at, you know, Taco Bell and it be fine instead of getting a salad? Like, do the little decisions matter? No, I mean, here's the thing with me. Big decisions are fairly easy if it's like it has vision behind it and the little ones i i just pull the trigger all the time like if it's like good enough it's good enough i yeah. mean you can ask dj Allie mills this all the time because she'll give me all these things and i actually get bugged it's not her fault she's doing her job yeah but i'm like you're bothering me with so many little decisions just do it it is funny because when you make decisions because obviously we work together it's like what are we doing? Yes, no, yes, no, no, mm -hmm. yes. And you're it's like, rapid fire. Yeah, it's not even about like the meaning behind the decision. <laughs> it's about just making the decision. And when we ask you to make a decision, it's like, what do you want to oh, do? Oh, 100%. I've told DJ Allie Mills, I'm like multiple times where she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, that's not how this friendship works. I'm the one that's easygoing and like, we'll go with the flow, but you make the decisions for us as a unit. Right. Because As like, long as it doesn't include what fish okay little context, <laughs> little context to that she gets really opinionated Here, listen, when seafood's involved listen i'm just all about saving the nemos you know what i'm saying that's right. all it really is and it's all it is dj alley mills it's just i don't like seafood that's all that's all it is you don't so but that's you will say that constantly like where do you guys want to go eat or what do you want to do and shara's like oh i'll do whatever people, as long as there's no seafood we're like whoa no that's, that's because weird. i say it often because people think i'm like oh, she doesn't like seafood, but she must like sushi. So let's go to get sushi. And I'm like, no, sushi, seafood. And it's like, okay, she doesn't like sushi. Like she'll love oysters. And I'm like, <laughs> so I constantly have to remind the people in my life, like across the board. I'll do anything. Fish are a no-go. I'll do anything you want to do. I'll go to an aquarium. And no seafood. Yeah. The aquarium is the closest I want to be to a fish. <laughs> Okay, so here we are making big decisions. Clearly, we are um, a hot mess, but we don't have seafood. Feels so that's good. Yeah. I love seafood. So I feel, I know, it's I feel a, bad for you. It's a disconnect where we are connected in almost everything, but yeah. I, will, I will go in on some tashimi. I actually don't know what it's called. The tashimi? I just, <laughs> I just I don't the even picture. like fish, and I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's it actually. <laughs> Is it, it might not? Be sashimi? Allison's shaking her head. Or it's, tuna. Oh, sashimi. No. 
Sashimi. Oh, okay. That was a mix between tuna and sashimi. <laughs> Tushimi. <laughs> well, you know what? Here we are. So clearly I need to not be eating seafood because I can't even announce it. So, yeah. but I'm hungry now and I want some Tushimi. <laughs> We're going to get tushimi, not me. I'm getting chicken tenders. <laughs> they always have that at sushi place. You always can get chicken. Or so, chicken. So but here we are. Big questions. Last week. Can so we, can we bring I'm, this I'm back? Reeling it in. I'm All right. reeling it in. Reel it in. Okay. Like you're fishing. Oh. <laughs> Full circle. Right there. <laughs> you can't say that. Okay, here we are. I'm sorry. If we've lost you, please come back. Just yeah. hang on. We're going to get serious in some way, in some form. Um, but this idea of making big decisions, as you heard, we made this huge decision. We live in Illinois. It's going well. I'm terrified of what's going to happen in a few months when there's actual weather, um, like meaning snow and shoveling things. And they were talking to me about sub pumps and basements and how they flood. And then people said, don't worry, we'll just come over. And we come over with buckets. And my jaw dropped and I was like, where do I live? This is crazy. But is this real life? Yeah. But hey, guys, God's good. So here we are. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking about last week when we were talking about kind of the overarching of making dis decisions. And I don't know if you want to actually ask this question on air, but what you said was what came up for you. I think you should ask, like, okay. what, what are you thinking? All right. So based on I'm a, last I'm week, pretty like heavy on the practical tools things. Cause I like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Right. So with which the has something to do with your story. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and um, I'm like expectation and I'll get love. I'll meet it. Oh, like, can we just pause? Come Let on. Let that sink in. Come on. <laughs> Um, but so when it comes to these ideas of like faith and hope, kind of these elusive kind of big concepts that we're talking about, like we're trading in our, our emptiness for like him to give us faith or whatever. Mm -hmm. I look at that. I'm like, okay, what are my practical steps to get that faith? Like, right. what do I need to do? Do I need to like, okay, so I need to have more faith. I don't have faith now. So do I just need to like start reading the Bible? Do I need to be in prayer? Like, and then God will infuse me with his faith or like, or, and his hope. And then like his good, I don't, for me, there's like a disconnect there. Cause I'm like, I don't feel like I know what to do to get to that point. Do mm. I do anything? Mm. And then in the, I don't do anything. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. Honestly. No, I think that's a really good. And you know, here's the great thing about us doing this together is that while I'm talking, you're thinking of your life through the grid of what I'm saying. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going on with you listeners that are listening to this and vice versa. When you're sharing, I'm thinking through the grid of, of how that affects me or my mm -hmm. story. And so there's an interesting concept there of like, well, what do we do to get more faith? Right. So, and yet that kind of goes deeper into the places truly of your story for sure where it's like can I do I need to earn this what are the right things that I can do to get um enough enough faith enough love enough hope like what are the steps that I need to do to gain that now I do believe that there is there are some steps to be to to grow your faith mm -hmm. but faith was much more about what god does and not what you do faith is much more about how how god is going to infuse more in you than you are going to muster up faith mm. so so practically what does that look like practically practically it looks like bringing your humanity into the presence of his deity so what does it look like to 
be honest about where you're at, to talk with him, to not shut down. So let's look at, let's look at Elijah, first Kings chapter 19. Elijah just went through, I think I've shared this in one of the podcasts earlier, but, um, Elijah gets all this experience from God. He calls fire from heaven. He gets supernatural speed. Like he's just, you know, doing awesome. He then fear sets in because Jezebel is killed all the prophets and is about to kill him. So Elijah goes running, fear sets him off. So where's his faith? Like, Hey, don't you remember all these things that, that you did, that God did for you, Elijah, where's your faith? And we know Elijah as one of the faith pillars in the word of God. But there's a season in that moment where the Bible says that he ran because he was fearful and he was tired. Mm -hmm. He was tired of the fighting. He was kind of like we mentioned last week, he felt formless and void. Everyone's gone. I don't know. We, we, I thought it was going to look like this and it didn't. Expectations have been shattered. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of hiding. And now I feel like I'm going to die. So now I'm just fearful and scared. When he goes and he lays down, faith was not because in that moment he needed to remember what God did, did before, although that will come back. Faith in that moment was being exchanged by God ministering to him in the midst of his pain. Mm. We see Elijah calling out to God, not in like humble reverence. It was like, you know, you've turned your back on me, God, you know, all the prophets are killed. I was your servant. I was faithful. Take my life. I'm done. Mm. But you see what happens as God begins to minister and comfort. What then later on happens to Elijah is faith begins to be remembered. Mm. His, what God did, how God is loving him even in the moment. So when you ask me, well, gosh, like, is it, I just go, okay, I stand there and I just throw your faith on me, God. And 48 hours later, I'm Mm -hmm. a faith-filled woman. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't happen like that. It happens in the sense of honesty, brokenness, truth, calling out. The one thing Elijah did well was he didn't stop talking to God. Mm. He did not say, and I am done with you, God. He was saying, I'm done with me. Mm -hmm. I'm done with this world. I'm done with this life. And it was because of the place of real raw honesty that God was able to minister and then begin to infuse supernatural faith. So when I didn't want to go to the scripture, Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go read the Bible. I didn't mm-hmm. want to get up at 5.30 in the morning. I didn't want to go read the Bible, but there was a prompting. So what was my responsibility? I could have done two things. I could have ignored it, mm-hmm. been like, nope, I'm going back to sleep, even though God was not letting me go back to yeah. sleep in that moment. But I can go back to sleep or just ignore it or try to kind of wrestle it out in my own brain. Or I can do what he's asking me to do and that's go read. But I had to go in honesty. I don't want to go do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to read. I don't know what you're going to say, mm-hmm. but I will go. Mm-hmm. I will sit. I will read. I will reluctantly come. And God, in my fragility and my humanity and a, and a little bit of my rebellion, began to infuse faith, mm-hmm. helping me remember, bringing me back to the days of old when he created the earth, speaking directly to where I am in the present. Mm-hmm. There's actually the word to remember, the altars of remembrances is this Greek word zikron, and it means to take what was and bring in the power of it into today. Mm-hmm. And there's just a powerful things that happen supernaturally when we allow ourselves, the Holy Spirit, to illuminate faith in our lives, to remember what was that power that was there from the beginning of time. And I felt it personally 
moved into this moment that I'm mm. sitting on the couch. I mean, the, the power that God had in that moment of creation felt like it was actually happening in my heart in that mm. moment. That's cool. Does that make sense what I'm yeah. saying? I think it's difficult to wrap my mind around, but I understand what you're saying. It's just hard. It would, it would be difficult for me to do that, just to be like, I'm just going to come and not try to be or do anything to earn this. But right. that, like you said, is my story. So, um, but yeah, I, I understand. I think what really sticks out to me is the honesty portion of it, mm-hmm. coming authentically before God and mm-hmm. not coming with, uh, okay, I either need to make this look pretty and hide the fact that I'm struggling with my faith or that I'm angry or that I'm feeling any sort of contempt towards this decision or whatever, but to mm. actually bring that. And I think that's where God moves. It's like, thank you. That's what we need to address. That's and what I, I want to speak to. It's just so powerful to, to know your story. Because when I hear you say that, you know, I, I know your story and I know my story and so much of what was built for you around even the idea of faith um, relationship with Jesus and really relationship with, you know, some of the adults in your life as a little kid was so much like, if I do this and this and this, I'll be loved for sure. I'll be seen as worthy enough. Mm -hmm. And it was never enough. No, it was never enough. And so to rewire this understanding of like, wait a minute, God is not looking at me to do. He's mm-hmm. looking at me to be, to be with him, to mm-hmm. be present with him in my tears, in my anger, in my distrust. It's in the place of honesty that he is saying, now I can sit with you and faith begins to grow. And yeah. there's such an invitation there because one sounds like invitation mm-hmm. into the goodness and the curiosity um, and the wonder that God has for you. And the other one sounds like religion, Mm -hmm. like a place of like, okay, I've got to bolster my faith. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go read 47 scriptures. I'm going to go, you know, do my quiet time. I'm going to do a good Beth Moore study. I'm going to show up to church. Like I am going to work my way Mm -hmm. in religion to build my faith. Mm -hmm. And that's not, and I hope that's what you listeners and, and even for me to help understand like faith is the grounding of us to remember what God has done. Mm-hmm. Not what God will do. That's hope. Mm-hmm. That's hope. And so it is really coming to that place that you go, okay, Jesus, um, I'm faced with this big decision. And this kind of where we get into the practical tools. Like I'm faced with this big decision in front of me. And I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't hear you. I, it feels quite, I don't know what to do. And And so I'm just going to sit here and get really practical about what this can look like. This is probably for you doers out there, the the Shara's in the room. Yes. Um, Like, here's what we can do to kind of begin to create a space, Mm -hmm. because that's what we want to do, is create a space to be able to be honest and hear from God. Mm -hmm. That is what we want. So Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to create a space. Mm -hmm. So does that look like going in for me? It's going in my car and I sit in my car and I want to hear from God. Um, For Mari and I making the big decision um, whether or not we were supposed to move and really just, it was at that time when we went away to pray for 24 hours, it was like, we don't even know what we're praying about. Mm -hmm. Like we just know we can't find a home. Mm -hmm. And something in our gut, in our body was telling us there we were being invited into something Mm. and we didn't really know. And this would get into like a whole nother thing about your body. Like your body really does tell you a lot more than your brain will let you 
believe it will override, you know, but there was something being stirred in our gut. Something's going on here. And so we created an intentional space. We went away for 24 hours and to not get into all the details of that, but just a little bit of the details of that was we created a space where we intentionally said, we are going to mark this as a holy moment. Now we're stepping into a very big decision. So Mm -hmm. this was not, I don't, I wouldn't say you would make this on every decision, but really big decisions why are we in our own minds always trying to fix and solve when we have access to the king of all creation mm. that that will speak and give us wisdom he says you ask for it you'll get it mm-hmm. it's just we want it in our timeline and we want it to be logical mm-hmm. so we went away and we began to pray. We prayed separately and we prayed together. Um, and we did that for 24 hours. The first day was great. I heard a lot from the Lord. I kind of knew in my belly, like, oh man, I think God's calling us to move. Mario, on the other hand, was like, nope, we're not doing this. Um, and yet the night of prayer was really incredible. It was, it was a lot of faith. It was so interesting how we prayed. So much of it, what was being brought to my attention was so much of what God has done. Looking back, I now know God will start with you remembering so that hope can be birthed. He will start with you understanding this is what I have done for you. This is what I've done for the many before you. But the next day, we both kind of knew what God was doing in our body, you know, in like our lives, but we didn't really like want to name it like we wanted to. And so we tried to start solving it ourselves. We went into the mode of like, okay, if we, if we do this and we live here and we live in this condo and it's too bad, you know, we are like trying to just solve the problem. And we got increasingly angry with each other. We were bickering. I didn't have any rest. rest. It was not peaceful. It was just me in my attempt to solve the problem of the big decision or avoid the one that I was going, felt like I was going to have to make go. I can figure out another way. And so um, I want to kind of focus in on over that weekend, what did we actually pray? What were, what, what was kind of what we prayed that really helped us and has helped us in the past when making a really big decision? And here's some of the questions that I think that if you, you set the space, you set the intentionality of the space um, and ask these questions. Uh, number one is to name what the big decision is. You know, like what are we actually, and I kind of mentioned this last week, well, what are we actually focusing on? What's the most important thing right now? Because we can get really overwhelmed. You know, if you're about to break up with a guy, then all of a sudden it's like, what am I going to do with my job? What am I going to do? Like you just get details get really overwhelmed. Yeah. You get really flooded. Right. And sometimes I think that's super like a, you know, a attack too, because if you're flooded, it's really hard to one hear from God and think clearly. Um, so it's really getting intentional about what are we going to pray about? What am I going to go and pray about setting that intentional space? And what am I actually going? Um, my grandpa used to always say where prayer is focused, power falls. So it it is really having a focused prayer. And I think we don't pray very specific. I think we pray in generalities. God, take this from me. God, let me know what you want me to do. God, um, fix it, Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. like give me the finances. Okay. Well, what is the specifics of what God wants? So I would, I would say, find what you're thinking about. And then if you need to, if it's too broad, get more specific, Mm -hmm. get more specific and set an intentional time. Once you get specific, 
Um, and we can, we can model this. We can actually see this in the story of Jonah. Um, Jonah's rebellious. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. And he's, you know, God calls him. He's, a, he's the prodigal prophet. <laughs> and is like, no, nah, I'm not going to go. And so we can kind of see these next three things kind of work themselves out. These next questions work themselves out in the story of Jonah. The first question I would ask you to ask yourself is, what am I fearing? what in this decision, because there's a fear. If you're having attention, sure. there's a fear. So if I'm breaking up with someone, am I fearing loss? Am I fearing... Being alone. Being alone. What people will think of me, mm-hmm. what he'll think of me, mm-hmm. she'll think of me, whatever. If I'm going to be changing a job, what am I fearing? That I'm going to transfer and the company's going to go under, or I'm not going to make enough money, or mm-hmm. I'm not going to like it. Whatever it is, you need to be able to identify the fear and understand how much power it has. Mm. And so, so just to name, like for me, it was like, I was really fearful of my kids Mm -hmm. leaving California, that they were going to leave their friends. They were going to go to, you know, my oldest son's going to go to high school. He's going to go with a friend. So when I got really honest about the fear, I was able then to ask myself the next, the next question, um, which is, what do I need to let go of? Mm. What am I holding really tightly to? And this might not be a physical thing. This might be an emotion. Is it pride? Um, is it fear? Mm-hmm. Is it trust? For me, I really needed to let go of my children. Mm. And this was a huge thing for me. Now, I love my kids, mm. but oftentimes I will think of their well-being over the obedience of following God. Mm. Because sometimes my kids become idols in my life. That must be so difficult to try to wrestle that out. Oh, it's so painful because you, because one side of it is honorable Mm -hmm. and good. I love my kids. But um, the other side of it is there will be no gods before me, not because God doesn't want me to love my kids, but because I'm actually freed to hear the goodness that he has for mm. me and for my children when my focus is not solely on my kids and their comfort. And so that I, could be a whole nother podcast. And I feel like we should do that because that's a really interesting concept. And yeah. Something that I feel like most parents would have a hard time wrestling that out. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was gnarly and And I'll tell you because the next question, so what am I fearing? I was fearing about my kids. And this could go with anything, you know, that you're walking through. But these questions really help narrow in, one, why is it hard for me to make this decision? And two, to clear away the the cobwebs, if you will, so that God can begin to minister, speak, give comfort, whatever you're needing in that moment, direction, wisdom. You have to clear away, like almost like you got to take from what's in the darkness and you got to bring it out into the Mm -hmm. light. Okay, this is what's actually here. So what's preventing me from hearing you, Lord, is my fear of what will happen to my kids. Are they going to be upset with me? Their life's not going to be comfortable. They're going to leave their friends. What am I needing to let go of? And I'm needing to let go of how much control I want to have over my kids. And in fact, the the next question is, what do I need to repent of? Mm -hmm. And I I don't want to stop there because repentance, like I want to hear just from you, Mm -hmm. when you think of the word repentance, and we might've shared this in some previous episodes, but what do you think of just initially when you think of the word repentance? Oh, 
I mean, repentance. I know outside we have, of what yes, I've yes, shared. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> so if I'm taking that out, and it's still, to be honest with you, it's still a struggle. Like mm-hmm. what we've talked about with repentance and the beauty of it is not something that my mind immediately goes to when right. I think of repentance. It right. has to be a trained thought for sure. But repentance, I think I messed up and now I'm going to get punished. Mm-hmm. So it's admitting. So pretty much how I would see it is I'm admitting I did wrong. Now I'm getting a punishment. Right. So, I think and, most people would feel that. Yeah. 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 I think the repentance is just more like I'm coming clean with it instead of lying about it. And now I'm going to get in trouble. Right. And just and, such a childlike thought. Yeah. And all you saw growing up was, I mean, I saw it anyway, you know, repent or you're going to go to hell. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like Turn there was, yeah, there was a lot of language around repentance being this place identified with condemnation. For sure. And Obviously, there is a there is a connotation to repent so that you can turn and come into the presence of you know or you can be saved. Um, but often, I just kind of thought repentance was like this one and done. Like I repented of my sins, and now I'm saved. And I kind of I don't really know what I thought after that. I just thought repentance was always like when you were the bad person, now you're the good person. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I I knew a lot about it, but I just never understood the goodness of it. It's one of my favorite words in the Bible, and it's been just I think slaughtered because it's such it's such a beautiful place to be able to know that there's a father that says, when you repent, when you turn from that, which has bondage over you, you are actually turning into my glory. Mm. You're, you're being invited into the party. It's, it's the story of the prodigal son, right? The, the prodigal son is hungry in his belly. He run, he goes to his father, his father runs after him and says, without even like really talking much about what the son had done, he says, I have a party for you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we even see the, the rebellious, prideful older son, just not even understanding the beauty of repentance. And so I, when I, when I, when I say, ask yourself this question, it's not to say, oh my gosh, I'm so bad because my, I love my kids and they've kind of become an idol in my life. I care more about protecting my kids than it, than I do about God. Mm -hmm. It really was God's invitation, sweetness, goodness. That's saying, Carrie, when you love your kids over loving me, you actually will not be freed to hear what the goodness that I have for them. Mm. They are, they have too much power over you. And I want to be the sole voice in your life that dictates where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So it was in that moment that I remember hearing God say, do you trust me? And I said, yeah, I trust you, God. And he said, do you trust me with your kids? And I paused and I just thought, no, I don't trust you with my kids. Mm-hmm. And that was a revelation for me in that moment. Now here, hear what I'm saying. I wasn't even talking about moving yet. Mm-hmm. We had other business to deal with. Mm-hmm. God had to, to bring out the very wall, the very distraction, whatever it is that was keeping me from even being able to hear the wisdom that God wanted to impart mm-hmm. for me. So when he said, do you trust me with your kids? I said, no. And he was like, and that's what we need to deal with. Mm. As I began to say, man, Lord, I... I repent of that. I deliver I, I deliver my kids to you. You love them more than I ever could. And they are they are in the way of hearing 
what you have for me and in turn have for them. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to speak to Mario and I on their behalf. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being able to allow me to then come into a place of repentance, which really allowed me to come into a place of rest. Well, I think that's so interesting, the concept of seeing what God has for you through other lenses. So for you, you are seeing through your kid's lens and you're like, this is not healthy. This is not okay. This is not what we should be doing because this will hurt my kids. Right. Where if you want to take that out of context and use it in a different way, if you're looking at like, let's say you see things, if you're a people pleaser through the lens of everyone else around you Mm -hmm. and God's trying to get your soul attention and wants to speak to you directly. But all you can see is like, I think God wants this for me because my mom says this, or my dad says this, or my best friend says I'm good at this, or this is what I've been told. And you're just constantly seeing through that. It's not, it's not a clear lens. It's not, it's totally cloudy. Yeah. Of letting it go and like giving it to God and being like, okay, I'm removing these because you're right. They are idols. Cause mm-hmm. ultimately I know I've found this in my life. I will do what I think other people want me to do. Even knowing that my heart is leaning towards what God I feel is wanting, mm-hmm. but this will make people happier mm-hmm. if I do this. Right. You know? Right. And we always have a benefit, right? Like we don't do anything that doesn't re- get a benefit. Like mm-hmm. we even stay For in sure. terrible relationships, but we stay in there because there's a benefit in mm-hmm. some way, which we don't have time to get into. But so I'm going to ask you this. When, when we lived in LA together, you mm-hmm. were in a relationship with someone mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. This was years and years ago. And looking through the grid of these three questions of going like, cause I remember you coming going like, I feel like I'm probably supposed to like break up with this person, mm-hmm. but it was gnarly it was so mm-hmm. so hard and just like looking through the grid of what am I fearing what do I need to let go of and not so much do I need to let go of him but maybe mm-hmm. um and then what do I need to repent of looking through and knowing the definitions of those three things can you see if you would have had some of these questions to be able to kind of like go through the grid like what would have been revealed for you mm-hmm. yeah I think I all of this stuff was happening, but I just didn't have the vocabulary for it. Right. And I was just kind of young. I was what, 19? Yeah. Something like that. But it was Trying a big, to, it was a big, it was a big decision yeah. because he was someone that I took very seriously right. and was like, I think it's either get out or stay in for the rest of your life. Right. You know, so that added like another layer to it. But, um, yeah, when it came to, I started to feel again, I was very resistant. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, I think I'm just over this. I want to end it. Oh, no. It was like, oh, it was yeah. like God. It was like the Holy Spirit was yeah. like, this is not it. And I was like, okay, what if I had like, what am I fearing? Oh, I'm fearing that I'm going to lose everything I ever wanted, which was to be married and have kids. Right. And it's not accessible to me anymore. Okay, well, what do I need to let go of? The idea that this needs to happen my way. Mm. And this is the only thing, like, this is the idea of, all I am is going to be a mom and a wife, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. which is a beautiful thing. But for me, that was actually very limiting and an idea that I was like, I I know I could be. Well, my expectation was this is what is expected of me. And I've been told this all my life and I know I could do it and do it well. Mm -hmm. So that will make everyone happy and I'll be happy. And that's going to drive your then decision to maybe stay in something that you shouldn't stay in because you're like, well, I've got to fit this mold. Absolutely. So what do I have to let go of? I have to now let go of Mm -hmm. this thing I've been told my whole life with someone who legitimately was a good guy, like a nice guy. This wasn't like, Mm -hmm. you know, he was terrible, Mm -hmm. but 
it was not right. Mm-mm. The Holy Spirit was, I mean, it was to watch. We can't get yeah, into it this, but <laughs> it was a, it was like, so every sermon that you heard yep. every song, it was just, you know how you've been there where it's just like, God is like making it He's real making queer. Clear. He's like, there is no doubt. Right. So I'd be curious knowing the definition of repentance. What do you think you needed to repent of? Um, which I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Yeah. I, I think I'd have to, um, I would say it's not just the relationship. It was a mindset I had before the relationship, mm-hmm. which is, this is all you wanted from me. Mm. This is all that I will be. Um, and if I don't have this, then I'm a failure. So I will fight tooth and nail so that this will go my way mm. because even if I felt like God was like, no, this is, this is not what I have for you. I'm like, but this is what I have for me. And this is what I've been told that I have for me. So we're talking about like kind of that view through other people's lenses. I'm yes. like, this is what I've been told. So God's saying, no, this is not all you are. But I'm like, no, but this is what I've been told that I am. Right. Through A good people. Christian yeah. gets married and has kids. Yeah. So I think repenting and kind of moving towards, uh, which is, I wish I, I, the repentance thing is something I wish that I had when I was younger. I think mm-hmm. out of all the questions, that's more of, cause to me, I was like, well, okay, I broke it off, but now I have to, I'm going to get in trouble for even being in the relationship in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. And yet from that, I watched faith be birthed mm-hmm. and I watched hope rise mm-hmm. in the midst of, I mean, and I'm using this relationship because it was so long ago. Yeah. So it's easier to talk about, but even at 19 years old, I watched as you wrestled Mm -hmm. out your fears, what you had to let go of tangibly was him. But then this idea of repentance, when I look at your life, then so focused on, I need to be married. I need to have kids. Mm -hmm. That's going to validate me. That's, uh, Mm -hmm. that's where I'm going to almost go. And in a sense, I see it now as like lose yourself. Oh, absolutely. And yet God was like the repentance brought about this invitation to really finding yourself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and good. freeing you from, he was like, I have, it's not that I have someone better for you. That is just not the narrative. What it was, was I am better for you mm-hmm. right now. Like mm-hmm. I am what you need right now. Mm-hmm. And we together are going to heal what this person never will be able to. Yeah, absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think when we're making these big decisions, you know, it doesn't come from a place of just being easy. You know, my, you know, as we were moving, as we decided to make this decision, there was a lot of God moments. And just like we just shared with Shara's story, I mean, there were messages and clear supernatural interactions with God. But at the end of the day, the wrestle is real. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to be able to acknowledge, like, I have to let this go. This is someone that, you know, Shara loved. And this is for me, my children. Hello. Like, I love my children. And yet God is not, is good. He is good. And he's inviting us into goodness. In fact, his heart says that he wants to have the goodness of God in the land of the living. He wants it to be here. He wants heaven to be here. And the invitation will always be for your growth. So whenever you are in a state where you're like, man, I have got to make a big decision and this is painful. This, I am wrestling this out. I'm going to wrestle it out, but I will say what's true for Shara, what's true for me, even though, you know, the wrestle was long, there was a commitment to at least listening. Mm -hmm. 
at least in somewhere, even though there was rebellion on both of our hearts in those, in those decisions we just gave to you right now, there was a goodness on God and mm-hmm. his pursuit and his faithfulness to continue to pursue our hearts. And ultimately, when we repented, when we turned from that which had power, we actually came into a bigger party. We mm-hmm. came into the invitation of goodness yep. and glory and newness. And so wherever you find yourself today, um, whether you are in the midst of a big decision or you're you know, maybe like cruising right now, but big decisions might hit, I just want to encourage you and just to recap that uh, faith is going to be the thing that grounds you in the midst of faith. Hope rises. Um, it rises out of hard dirt-like places, struggle, Um, and then just practically to be mindful of your body. Your body is going to tell you, Shara, let you know, like her head was like, I'm in love with this guy, and her body was letting her know, this is not the right one. This is not it. And there was a wrestle. Um, There was a wrestle between the Holy Spirit and her flesh. And it was super painful to watch. Also, I'm so thankful um, that she was able to come out on the other side and and to be able to really be grounded even more in her faith and know that God delivered her. And the same for my family. We are loving Illinois. We are loving being there. We love um, the church family at... um, Alpine Church, where we are going to really be able to minister and do some of the really good work that we do at Freedom Academy. We're actually getting to pilot that a little bit in the in the confines of four walls and a church. And so we could really use your prayers on that. And, and yet, in the same breath, as good as that is, there is still a grief. And I think that's just something that I'll end with that's saying in big decisions, it will not have the absence of grief. That um, grief can be held in both the, the grief and the hope. In fact, I think that's truly the narrative of the human experience to hold um, beauty and brokenness and be able to walk in a way where God is inviting us into the more. So we love you. We can't wait to hang out with you again. May you walk in in the glory and goodness of God as he's inviting you into more and you walk in some bigger decisions. We sure do love you. We'll talk to you soon. We are so thankful for the talented Tanya Godsey offering her amazing music with us. You can find Tanya on Spotify and other streaming platforms. And hey, we would love to answer any questions you may have for us right here on the show. So you can send us those questions to hello at thehonestpodcast.com. And as always, thank you for letting us share about the not so easy stories that make us and entering into the honesty and courage it takes to love who you were created to be. So until the next time, friends, may God's love and kindness be an offering to your heart, both now and always. (laughs) 